0: Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness.
1: Five, four,
0: three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oreo Park at Camden Yards, it is. The Masson All Access Podcast brought to you by Toyota. For legendary safety and reliability, choose Toyota and let's go places. Paul Mancano, Brendan Mortensen joined by Tim Leonard via Zoom. Tim, how good did it feel to hear the words from inside the warehouse at (coughs) Oriole Park at Camden Yards again?
2: It, Paul, I went to sleep last night. I was tossing and turning, thinking about this draft and the pressures of it. And then I remembered that I was going to hear those words and that was going to calm me down going into this podcast. It's great to be back with you guys. What a reunion here. <laughs> what a
0: reunion, Tim, for somebody who does a lot of Zooms and is a broadcaster. Gotta say, one of the worst Zoom backgrounds. <laughs> it is terrible. I mean, I,
2: <laughs> get a ring I line. just moved here. <laughs> it's It's a work in progress so next time i'm on it'll be better i promise at
0: least it's grainy uh all right well we have in front of us if you are watching on facebook and on youtube gotta be watching on facebook and youtube we have the all future orioles draft board Ah. we have done drafts in the past brennan we've done the all camden yards draft we've done the all earl weaver draft this draft it's going to be nothing like those two. Not those two were looking back at, all. at the past, and they were looking at past production. As three teams tried to draft the best players that we had seen play before, a lot of the guys that we're going to draft today, we will not have seen. Yeah, not guys that are could be several years away from the big leagues might get taken today.
1: Yeah. Hey, the whiteboard looks great. Oh, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate that. I worked so hard on it. I but yeah, no, you're didn't right, say Paul. That. Go it's- ahead. <laughs> In the past drafts, it's just been a lot of comparing stats. Like, who had the best cumulative war over the last few seasons that they were at Camden Yards? Whatever it may be. But this is just entirely our projections. We are looking at a lot of prospects. We are looking at some, obviously, some current players trying to project how they will be three years down the line. Yeah. I think it's entirely possible that all three of our draft boards are vastly different yeah because before in the past few drafts there wasn't a lot of parody I mean you maybe had a few differences here and there with some players but here you could project one player to be completely different than somebody else had that same player in 2025 so it, it's going to be really interesting
0: to see where some players go in this draft so we are trying to build the best three teams for the year 2025 and I want to make it clear that the Orioles could still win the World Series before that year. It's not like we're saying that 2025 will be the first (laughs) competitive year and that we have nothing to look forward to until then. We just wanted to look far into the crystal ball and try to determine who would be the best possible team two years down the line. In this reality, John Means and Anthony Santander have either re-signed or they have been extended by the Orioles. Because they currently are projected to hit free agency after the 2024 season. So, those two players are included in this. We're including current players, prospects, anybody that the Orioles have in, currently in their organization, except for players that have been added this offseason. So, that includes Franchi Cordero, Kyle Gibson, Adam Frazier, James McCann, et cetera, et cetera. Those guys cannot be included here. And none of those guys that I mentioned would even be on the roster unless they get extended. In 2025, anyway.
1: Yeah, John Means and Anthony Santander, especially, I think were important to keep because I think they will be important pieces of the two teams that they are on. Whereas the, the guys that were signed this offseason, I think they probably would have been drafted, but probably later round picks as well. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, the player has to have played the position for which he's drafted. So it's not like you can take Kyle Stowers or Anthony Santander and stick him at first base because they've never played those positions. That means we're gonna get some thin positions. Catcher is gonna be a thin position, first base is gonna be a thin position, whereas the middle infield is gonna be incredibly deep. And you can mix and match however you want if, you, if those guys have played those positions. I think of second base, shortstop, and third base could be a hodgepodge of different players because you have so many versatile guys in the Oriole system right now. Yeah, excellent use of
1: hodgepodge there. Thank we you.
0: also cannot trade picks So
1: it'll be a snake order. I have the first overall pick, Tim going second, Paul going third, which
0: means Paul will have picks three and four, and it'll kind of go down and around. We're going to do rounds one through eight today, then rounds nine through 15. So we have catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, left field, center field, right field, DH. Then we have four starting pitchers, and we have two relievers. I didn't forget any on the board. You didn't. Feels like a win already. You were looking down the board nervously. I was. as you were reading them i was like wow i i forgot right field but there it is so four starting pitchers two relievers brendan you won the number one overall pick in the lottery did was there a frozen envelope Eh, it's to be determined yeah tim has the number two pick i have the number three pick yeah have you given the first overall pick a lot of thought no (laughs) no i have
1: not i think i thought about the first overall pick for approximately two seconds
0: Would you like to, Tim, are you, are you ready? Oh man. Are we starting the draft? Oh, I'm ready. Oh, oh man. All future Orioles (laughs) draft is officially open. Isn't that what you, the commissioner usually says (laughs) something like that. Let's ring the bell for wall street. Brendan. Yes. Would you like to make the number one
1: overall pick? Oh, I sure would go ahead. And with the number one overall pick, it's Abby. All right. It, It is the easiest pick in this draft. I think he is, he has an argument to be the best player on the team in 2023 I think by the time 2025 rolls along, he could be one of the best players in all of baseball, maybe the best catcher in all of baseball. There's a lot of talented players on this roster that I think are going to be really good in 2025, but
0: it's not really a question. It's Adley Rutschman. Yeah, no real surprise there. Tim, were you surprised at all by Adley Rutschman being the first off the board?
2: No, and you mentioned it earlier, Paul, the catcher position is one of those thin positions. So not that it was it needed to be even more of an argument to pick Adley number one. I think he is clearly the number one pick. But the fact that the catcher position is thin, I think, makes it even more obvious that you need to take him with that first pick. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right, Tim, you have the number two pick. Are you prepared? Hoo-hoo.
2: So I've thought about this many different ways, and I think I'm down to two guys. It's pretty obvious. It's. Gunner Henderson or Grayson Rodriguez in the year 2025, who was more valuable in that season? At first, I went in and I thought, you know, it's got to be Gunner. The more I thought about it, I sort of talked myself into Grayson, but I'm going to select Gunner with a second pick. the second pin. The reason is I think you can make a case that Grayson, because of kind of the similar discussion we just had about Adley, the pitching, he's in a different tier of the pitchers available in this draft. After him, you can make a case it drops off more than it does at the middle infield positions. And you could also say, well, if Grayson Rodriguez wasn't hurt last year, wouldn't he probably be the number two pick? Maybe we're overlooking the fact that he is still a very special talent. And I'm a huge fan of Grayson Rodriguez. I think he's a surefire bet to be a huge ace type of pitcher in 2025. But we've seen what Gunner; he's more of a known commodity. I think the ceilings are pretty similar. Maybe you could say Grayson's ceiling is a little bit higher, but considering the floor and what we saw from Gunner last year, I think I just feel a little bit safer taking him, putting a bat in my lineup at a premium position to start it out.
1: Yeah, I think, honestly, those two guys were the pretty obvious toss-up. For number two, But I think you're right, Tim. Given the fact that we've already seen Gunnar Henderson at the big league level, seen his potential there, it's nothing against Grayson Rodriguez. If Grayson Rodriguez doesn't get injured last year and pitches half a season, maybe he's the number two overall pick here. But given the fact that we have already seen the special things that Gunnar Henderson can do against big league pitching, I think he makes sense for number two.
0: Yeah, I think that's the correct pick, Tim. I thought you were going to take Grayson, I'll be honest. But you do go with Gunnar Henderson. For right now, I've slotted him into the shortstop position for you. But we can move, mix and match, hodgepodge, if you will, Brendan. Move guys around. And I have the number three pick. Should I start writing already? Three, four. And that makes things a whole lot easier. But frankly, whichever way you went here, there at number two, Tim, I would know what I was doing at number three. So I'm going to go with Grayson Rodriguez as the number three pick. And I'm getting the best pitcher in the Orioles system with the highest ceiling, and I'm getting the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball in Grayson Rodriguez. He had a 2.62 ERA in 2022. He was absolutely dominant before he had to miss time with this strained lat last year. He came back, he worked his way back up through the system before the season ended. In 2025, he is going to be in his age 25 season, in theory, right. At the beginning of his prime, Grayson Rodriguez is a no-brainer to be at the top of my rotation. Yeah, that had to be the pick. I mean, if it wasn't going to be Gunner, it had to be
1: Grayson. Those are the obvious two, three. Correct choice there. All right. Next up. This is where the draft gets really fun. The draft starts at 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 number four. four. The draft starts at four. This was the
0: obvious top three. Lee Gunner, and Grayson off the board. Yeah, I kind of hate that expression because the draft really did start at one. There's, there's but no it point. starts right now. It starts right now. <laughs> and guys, I put a lot of thought into this pick, and I simply couldn't go, get away from the idea of drafting the best player available on the board. And to me... That is the number one overall pick in the 2022 MLB draft. Jackson Holliday. Whoa! And I don't don't think. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't (laughs) think it's particularly (laughs) shocking. It is. It's not. If you look at where Jackson Holliday is at this point, he is probably going to start the 2023 season at high single A Aberdeen. Wow. He's probably going to end the season if he's healthy at Double-A Bowie. You look at 2024. He could go from Bowie to Norfolk to Baltimore. Jackson yeah. Holliday could make his debut in Baltimore at the end of 2024. And then he could be a steady big leaguer and everyday player in 2025. Manny Machado made his MLB debut at age 19. You know what he did in his age 20 season? Well, he was very good, Paul. He had a (laughs) 5.9 baseball reference war. That's the kind of caliber player we're talking about here in Jackson Holiday. The number one overall pick. He's an incredibly polished bat coming out of high school. He's going to be in his age 21 season. He's going to be a year older than Manny Machado was during Manny Machado's breakout season in his age 20 season. To me, this makes perfect sense to have Jackson Holiday, who's the number 13 prospect in all of baseball, by the way. I think he's going to be a top 10, maybe top five prospect by the end of this season. So to me, this made perfect sense to slot him in there. Look at Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson drafted in the second round back in 2019, made his debut at the end of 2021, and he was not viewed as nearly a polished enough high school bat as Jackson Holiday was. And he had twenty twenty the lost season in the middle. So I think it's perfectly within within the realm of possibility to have Jackson Holiday not only as a steady big leaguer, but a contributor in 2025.
1: I hear your argument. And that's the argument I was going to make when I was prepared to draft Jackson Holiday with my seventh pick. Because I thought it could be a Gunnar Henderson-esque thing where you're right, maybe we see him at the end at double A at the end of this season. We could see him at AAA, maybe sneak into the majors at the end of 2024, and then maybe he's an everyday player in 2025. So I think you're right there. But that's why I was going to select him at six or seven. Four feels high. Tim, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, it's it's high to me, and I want to be clear. It's because what we're trying to do in this draft is just win a championship in just 2025, Right, right? right? We're not viewing 2026, 2027, any of those years. I think if you're looking at it from a standpoint of from 2025 on who would be the pick, it's Jackson holiday, but because best case scenario is he's probably a very young major leaguer and at 21 years old, I guess you could say, Paul, like you're saying that we'll look at what Gunner did when he was 21 and came up this year and was successful. And it's almost like in your perfect scenario, then he is Gunner going into this year in a way, like he gets some time in 2024, but I think it's a little early just because there's a lot of risk. And you're laying out the best case scenario, but you know, that could not happen. There's a lot of things that he has to accomplish before then.
0: Absolutely. But I'm taking a high swing. And yep. I I feel like look, Gunnar Henderson was a second round pick. And look at what the Orioles did to move his progression along at an incredible rate. Look at what and it's not just the Orioles. Look at some of the best players around baseball. Look at what Julio Rodriguez did in what? His age 20 season, 21 season. Sure. Look at what Juan Soto did when he burst onto the scene in his age, 19 and 20 seasons. We're talking about the number one overall pick. We're not talking about some guy that was selected in the second or third round, hitting the ceiling. That seems impossible to reach. We're talking about somebody who Jim Callis of MLB pipeline said he would be shocked if he wasn't a superstar. That's who we're getting in Jackson Holiday. I think it's incredibly possible and likely, frankly, that he is an impact player in the year 2025.
1: I think it's possible. I think we would just need and it, it would have to be the same meteoric rise that we saw from Gunnar Henderson, not necessarily in terms of the ceiling that we thought they had, because we think that Jackson Holiday's ceiling is what Gunnar Henderson's ceiling is thought to be right now. But it, it just it's gonna take a lot of good play from Jackson Holiday to get him to a point in 2025 where he is
0: an everyday MLB player, which is entirely possible. And there's nobody else in this system other than Grayson Rodriguez, who I just took, that I have more confidence will hit those benchmarks. That's fair. And will do that. That's fair.
1: Tim, you're on the board again.
2: Yeah. I will say in defensive, Paul, too, you pick, what, again, at eight or nine? What's your next pick? You, you probably weren't going to get him if you he didn't was take not him in this selection. He,
0: he And he was a blue chip player. I went yeah. into this draft saying, and I know it's the year 2025. We're saying the all future Orioles draft. And if we're doing that, we're we're taking big swings for blue chip players that we think will be the Orioles future. Yeah, he wasn't making it back to you. I was taking no. him at seven. A- absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tim.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to go with our first current Orioles player. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Adley's been taken. Gunner's been taken. But first player that is not viewed as sort of a young up-and-coming prospect, maybe. Still a young player. And at a position where he's going to be the future of the franchise at this position, I'm very confident. And he will still be a huge factor in 2025 when he's about 27, 28 years old. I'm going to go with Ryan Mountcastle to be my first baseman with the fifth overall pick here. I think... Part of the reason is because, again, after first base, it falls off dramatically. You can make a case. And I want to make sure that I get first base showed or soared up here and, and make sure that it's in a good hands with Mount Castle. I also think last year was a down year for him, but then I went back and looked at the numbers. He still hit 22 home runs dealing with the new left field wall. He still has tons of advanced metrics that speak to the fact that he's due for, if anything, positive regression this year. So. I'm very confident that he's the selection that I should be making here at number five.
0: I think it's a good pick. The case I would make, on the, the contrary, and this is part of the reason why I took such a big swing with Gunnar Henderson, Ryan Maucastle last year had 1.3 baseball reference war in a season that he was fully healthy and was in his age 25 season. Yep. First basemen are not particularly impactful just because of the defensive position that he plays. And while his advanced metrics and some others, StatCast certainly liked his defensive play at first base, 1.3 war is an incredibly replaceable player. And 1.3 war, to me, doesn't warrant that level of pick. I I hear that, but
1: I would counter that with the fact that Ryan Mountcastle statistically was the most unlucky hitter in baseball last year. And I think we will see some regression to the mean in his hitting stats next season. The ball isn't going to move back in. (laughs) It's not, but I think he will get some better luck than he got last year. And given the lack of positional depth at first base i think it makes sense to go with a first baseman relatively early and again tim is in the hard spot with the number two overall pick where if he doesn't pick mountcastle i probably pick mountcastle within my next two picks so he wanted to shore up first base at a position that does not have a lot of options so i understand it from that perspective
0: brendan you have three sorry three
1: four you have six seven i do i have six seven and I think there are three or four really good options here.
0: And I've thrown you off because you thought Jackson Holiday I was, was going to be there. I thought Jackson he? Holiday was <laughs> going to be
1: my shortstop, and yeah, I was going to well, pick him with my seventh overall pick.
0: I mean, this guy could be the number one prospect in baseball in a year. Yeah. We're not considering that. Okay, sorry. Go uh, ahead.
1: If you need to keep justifying your fourth overall pick, which it's it's has already happened, dunk.
0: go ahead, and if you think so. You need me to vamp because you need me to come up with. No, that. I know Give who
1: I'm. I know okay. who I'm picking here. I think my first pick is going to be a, another current Oriole player that I am a little bit surprised is still here, and that's going to be John Means. He is going to be my first starting pitcher. Oof. Paul is somehow laughing at John Means, who will only be entering his age 32 season. Had a 3.62 ERA in 2021. Obviously, had Tommy John missed last year. But John Means sure's up my rotation, gives me an ace, and I think John Means, it, look, his age 32 season, that is not old for a starting pitcher. We have seen a lot of starting pitchers in this free agent market, older than that, command a lot of money, still be quality starting pitchers, so John Means in only his age 32 season, I know there's some question marks about what he will be like coming back from Tommy John, but I'm confident that John Means is still going to be a very good pitcher in a few years' time. 32 is not very old for a starter. Tim, what do you think?
2: So I think it's a little early, but I say that and I might have taken him at number 8 when it comes back around to me just because if I don't take him then, I'm looking at the situation that I'm looking at now where I don't have one of the top two pitchers in this draft, which I'm okay with because I have Gunnar Henderson and Ryan Mountcastle so far, and I'm confident in my offense, I guess. 32, you said he's only going to be 32. I hear you like you already got Tommy John out of the way. You can make a case, but I don't know. The numbers would say that he's probably not going to be the same caliber of pitcher at 32 as he is in the past couple years that we've seen him. Like he's exiting his prime slightly at that point, And it's, it's, I don't know if there's a huge difference between him and the other pitchers that are on the board like there was between Grayson and him, in my opinion. Yeah, and
0: I've been the victim the last two years. I've lost each of the last two drafts because uh, we're going to put this to you by the end of this, the fans. You're going to vote on who you think has the best draft after this. And fans don't pay as much attention to pitchers. I say that after I took a pitcher with my first pick, but to me, Grayson Rodriguez was a slam dunk. Last year in the all Earl Weaver draft, I took Jim Palmer, number one overall. Two years ago, I took Mike Messina. Both of those, I think, were the correct pick. I don't think they did me much help in the voting. I just don't think people pay as close attention to the rotation as they do to the lineup for whatever reason when going through this exercise. But I think John Means will still be good. 32 is just a little bit. And to me, John Means' ceiling, we saw his ceiling in 2019 when he was in the ace of that staff. He's had some injuries over the last couple of years. It wasn't just Tommy John. Remember he missed a lot of time in both in twenty twenty and in twenty twenty one with injuries. And he's never been the only real ace stretch that he had, I think you could make, was the first half of twenty twenty one before he got hurt, when he was when he threw that no hitter. But he's a guy with a career ERA of three eighty. So to me that didn't necessarily warrant that pick. But I think it's a good pick and you still have another one. There just weren't really many position players
1: that were jumping off the board for me that had high enough potential in 2025 to pick over John Means, except for one, who I'm going to select right now, and that's going to be Colton Cowser, who right. is going to be my center fielder. He is currently the 40th ranked prospect in baseball. He'll be entering his age 25 season in 2025. I think we'll see Colton Cowser in the big leagues this year. I think he will make an impact at the latter half of this season. Hopefully, we'll get a full season of him being an everyday player in 2024. And by the time he hits 2025, that's his third season in the big leagues I think he will be an impact starter Colton Couser I think there is a pretty big gap between him and the next position player that I would have picked I think he has a lot more upside than the other guys on my board so I wanted to get a pitcher out of the way which I did with John Beans I think that gives me some leeway in my rotation but I still made sure that I got a bat
0: with really high upside with Colton Couser Colton Kowser was the only other guy I was considering with the number four pick because I think that he does have a higher ceiling. I think, talk about a guy that could rise up prospect rankings you know, if he's not in the big leagues in the next couple months. I think when MLB Pipeline produces their new top 100, I think we could see Colton Kowser in the top 30. I mean, he has been every bit the player that they were hoping they were going to get when they took him with the number five overall pick. Tim, what do you think of this?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I was hoping he would fall to me. So you made the right pick from that standpoint, Brendan. I think because of the ceiling, right? And it's at a good timetable to be catching him because 2025, he'll have some major league experience under his belt, like you guys are talking about. Yeah.
0: All right, Tim, your next pick?
2: All right. You already have I'm the, gonna keep the outfield
0: and Gunnar Henderson. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: Yes. Ryan Mountcastle, Gunnar Henderson. So my infield's looking good. I'm going to keep the outfield train moving here. I'm curious to see where you guys have this guy ranked because it seems like in the early goings here that you guys are favoring some of the younger players, maybe even more than me, but we'll see how the board shakes out. I'm going to take Cedric Mullins here with the, I guess now seventh or eighth overall pick. And he's 28 years old right now. He's going to be turning 31 in the middle of the 2025 season. So a little bit old, but I think it's very underrated that last year was maybe kind of a positive for Mullins. It wasn't like he had a flashy year, but he did enough in my opinion to back up the fact that the year before that, when he did have a 30, 30 season and was an all-star was not a fluke, right? He did enough last season. He improved his arm strength. You can make a case. All right. How well is he going to age because he's a smaller player that depends on his size and his speed and that type of stuff. But I'm getting him at 30, 31 ish. I don't think it's that old. And I think he's still a player that would warrant a considerable, you know, three, four war season at that point. So I'm confident it's kind of a safer pick compared to some of the other high level prospects that you can make a case for at the outfield position. But he still could be my leadoff hitter in 2025. And I'd feel good about that.
0: If any prospect that is selected by any of us today has a 30 30 season, yes. Right. or is an all-star starter at any position, that would be the absolute best outcome. So he already hit the highs that all these prospects are hoping to. Now that dip in production, of course, was expected, I think, in 2022. There was no way he was going to repeat that kind of success that we saw him have. I think that he may he may be a quote-unquote safe pick here, but he's still, we've seen, he's got incredible upside. And at 30 years old, that's, it's not ridiculous to imagine him still playing elite defense and center. Yeah, it was my
1: same thought process with Means. It, it's, yes, technically the wrong side of 30, but it's not that old. And I don't see Cedric Mullins really, really regressing in his age 30 season. I think he's still going to be a good player. All
0: right. So, thus far, Brendan has Adley Rutschman catching. He's got Colton Couser in center. And he's got John Means anchoring his rotation Tim has Ryan Mountcastle at first base. He's got Gunnar Henderson at shortstop, and he's got Cedric Mullins in center. Right now, I have Jackson Holliday at shortstop and Grayson Rodriguez in my rotation. And guys, you've, got, you've left me a couple great players here. There's a, there's a good group here that I am, I'm hoping I, I have a few fall to me. I thought would be, this would be the, the no question these two guys would be off the board here. But I'm going to go with my next pick. Another infielder, Jordan Westberg. Second or third base? I'm going to put him, f- I think it's going to depend, really. We'll, we'll stick him for now at second base. Okay. We'll make him a, a great uh, double play combination with Jackson Holiday. We're talking about a guy that can play all three of those positions that you mentioned, shortstop, second base, third base. He's going to be in his age 26 season. He just won Orioles minor league player of the year last year. He hit 265 with 27 homers last year. Kind of crazy to think about. Uh, and he had an eight fifty two OPS. Jackson Holliday may not have one elite tool, but he is solid across the board. Jordan Westberg, you mean? Jordan Westberg, sorry. Jackson Holiday. He's on my mind. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're still trying to defend that fourth overall pick. I don't need to defend <laughs> it, really. The The voters will decide. So Jordan Westberg, to me,
0: is the correct pick here.
1: Yeah, I, he was in consideration for me at that 6-7 turn. I think it's a good pick. He has the positional versatility in the infield. To me, just didn't really have the same upside as somebody like Colton Cowser did, but it's
0: still a good pick. I think it's the right pick. And next, I'm going to take another infielder. This guy's a third baseman, but for the purposes of this draft, I think we're going to have to put him at first base. Now, it's a position he's only played two minor league games at, but... Putting Kobe Mayo at first base makes sure that I am not blocked out of the other first baseman. Ryan Mountcastle is already off the board, and I think that Brendan is going to have to take somebody else at first base that probably he wouldn't like to if I put Kobe Mayo at first and I tried to take another first baseman. So for right now, I'm going to put Kobe Mayo at first base. Maybe another first baseman will fall that I like, and I bump him out and I put Kobe Mayo at third. We'll see. But Kobe Mayo... A player that I think still has an incredibly high ceiling. He's the O's number seven overall prospect. He's gonna be in his age twenty-three season. Last year he hit two forty seven with nineteen homers and a seven eighty two OPS. Battled some injuries, but I think he finished the year very well in double A. I think Kobe Mayo is going to be a very good player. Yeah, I think that's the right
1: pick, especially given the fact that there are I mean, those are really the only two first basemen that we could pick. We're going to have to, well, I am going to have to work hard to find a first baseman that will fit in this lineup. I think there is still one or two players that I could select that would be fine there. But I think Mayo is still a solid prospect, but probably jumps off the board even more
0: because of the lack of first baseman. Kim, what do you think about uh, the selection of Kobe Mayo? And then who's your next pick?
2: Yeah, I I think you're clearly going young here, Paul, your team has lots of upside. I mean, Mayo in particular is the type of player that, you know, it's risky a little bit, but I think if it works out, he could be an all-star. I mean, in the near future. So I understand what you're going at. I, I think you're you're catering to the Twitter vote a little bit with these flashy young names, but I, I play to win, win the slide game. so far.
0: I, yeah. I play to win the game. I mean, yeah, sure. Well, we <laughs> play to win ball games, but
1: you know that's all right. Tim, right. you're on the board. This is a theoretical well, team.
2: I'm, I'm going to take a guy who I had slightly above Kobe Mayo and I'm excited that he fell to me. Now I already have an outfielder, but I still think I can't pass him up at this point in the draft. I'm going to go with young Kyle Stowers with my next Ooh. selection here. I think you could make a case that, okay, well, You know, maybe Anthony Santander, maybe Austin Hayes should be in the conversation. I'm going to take Stowers because there's more upside. I know that's the age-old debate, Santander versus Stowers that we've had on this podcast several times. 53 MLB games for Stowers last year. He had a 724 OPS. I think it's very obvious that he's probably only going to get better once it's 2025. And he's had a couple sort of full seasons under his belt at that point. His strikeout rate came down a little bit once he... Got to the major league level. That's going to be the key for him as he continues to progress. But I like the upside that he gives me. And I like the idea that he is actually going to have a couple of, you know, a year and a half or so of MLB experience at that point. So I think we're getting into a little bit of a different tier here, but I'm going to take Kyle Stowers to start it off.
0: Love this pick. I think that he offers, like you said, both the upside and the safety of already having gotten to the big leagues. And I think he's going to give you plus defense in a corner spot. You have Cedric Mullins in center, so you, all you need is, is a corner outfielder at that point. And I think he's going to be an above average corner outfielder given his arm and his speed.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good pick, probably a little bit earlier than I would have taken Kyle Stowers personally. But I don't, I don't think it's a bad pick. I think he has enough upside and could be an exciting player down the line.
0: Tim, that's right where I had Kyle Stowers. So I don't think he reached at all. Brendan, your next pick. My next pick, I think I
1: need to add a little bit to my lineup here. I've only got Adley Rutschman and, Col- and Colton Cowser so far. John Means in the rotation. The next position player that I have on my board, somebody who really flew up for me last year, had a really exciting end of the season, especially at AAA Norfolk. That's going to be Connor Norby. I'm going to put Connor Norby at second base. He has a ton of just potential in general. Had an 886 OPS between high-A Aberdeen, double-A, and triple-A. Had 29 home runs. So I think Connor Norby slots very nicely into the middle of my lineup.
0: Yeah, I think this guy is going to be... If he's not in the big leagues and if if he doesn't lose his prospect status, I think that he's going to be a top 100 prospect. I really do. I think that when we see the reshuffling of MLB's top 100 and the reshuffling of the Orioles' top 100, I think that we could see him rise up a couple spots because... If you look at kind of the trajectory of what Jordan Westbrook did as well a couple years ago where he jumped himself as a second round pick, well, he was 30th overall, late first round pick, competitive balance round, but around the same spot of where Connor Norby was taken and he put himself on the map and on the radar, I think Connor Norby did the exact same thing in 2022. So I think that absolutely he's in this range.
1: Now, here's a really interesting spot. I have... A few players on my board around here. A few of them are starting pitchers. Before you... A few of them are outfielders. Give your next pick, by the way. Can you read through your team? Yeah, my team so far, I've got Adley Rutschman catching, Connor Norby locking down second base, Colton Cowser in center, and John Means, the ace of my rotation. Tim, your team?
2: So far, I took Gunnar Henderson to play my shortstop as it stands right now. Ryan Mountcastle is my second pick. And then I took Cedric Mullins in center field and Kyle Stowers to man one of my corner outfield spots.
0: And I have Kobe Mayo at first base. I have Jordan Westberg at second base. I have Jackson Holiday at shortstop. And I have Grayson Rodriguez in my rotation. So, Brendan, kick off round five here. Oh,
1: man. I, I am torn on the picks that I want here. There are a few pitchers with high upside. There are a few outfielders that I have around the same spot that I haven't really differentiated in terms of their value. Ooh, I think I might take the big swing. I think I might. And I know it's going against the grain a little bit because the pitchers don't usually win you these kinds of drafts. But I think he has just fallen a little bit too far. I know he fell a little bit with what happened last year. But I think this is too far Mm. for him to continue to slide. And I think my pick is going to be D.L. Hall as my number two starting pitcher. Uh,
2: That's who I was going to take. I have
1: not given up on D.L. Hall. I understand that there were some struggles last year. There are some command questions. There are some question marks with D.L. Hall. But if he hits his ceiling in the year 2025, this is still a top 100 prospect. This is still the sixth ranked prospect in the Orioles system. And you watch D.L. Hall and the stuff is just too good to not believe in. And I am confident that by the time 2025 rolls along, D.L. Hall could surpass John Means on this list as
0: my number one starter. He might be the ace of this rotation by the time 2025 rolls along. So the part of the reason that I wasn't crazy about your John Means pick, Brendan, is because I thought this took you out of the D.L. Hall market. Oh, I'm still in the and market. the thing is, I'm D.L. Buying. Hall, I think right now we have hit the absolute nadir of DL Hall, of the DL Hall conversation. Yes. The ride, the DL Hall ride has slowed to a grind. It was a train that was a runaway train a a year ago. And then he had not a disastrous 2022, but he had a down 2022 and he didn't correct the things that he needed to, but the upside is still there. And he still could be the ace of a rotation. And I think that for you to get him at this point in this draft, I think is an, absolute win because you're taking a swing on the upside yeah and that's what you need to do in this draft
1: i think means is safe and i think dl hall has huge upside
0: and i'm really happy with having those lefty lefty at one two in your rotation there yeah tim you're are you upset
2: (laughs) i'm devastated frankly (laughs) because when i had my last pick i was between stowers and dl hall now i had stowers higher on my big board so i went with it that way and i was also thinking Brendan already has John Means. Paul already has Grayson Rodriguez. Brendan is picking the next two picks in between me. I don't think after taking John Means, he's going to take D.L. Hall. But I misread you, Brendan, because you said you had Stowers lower than even I did. So I should have taken D.L. and then come around and taken Stowers. And now I didn't get both of them. Tough.
1: Yeah, I don't think I would have selected Stowers with my next two picks if you had taken D.L. Hall. I'm going to be totally honest about that. Oh, that's tough. To yeah, hear.
2: that's tough. Well, I've got to take a picture. And I'm falling behind already. Three pitchers are off the board. I have not selected one. I'm going to go with Kyle Bradish as the fourth pitcher off the board here. He's 26 years old currently. He's going to be about 28, 29, turning 29 in September of 2025. I think the key going forward for him is going to be his fastball command and his effectiveness on the fastball. We know the slider's dangerous. The numbers last year weren't great, but we saw flashes of some really outstanding pitching performances, especially towards the end of the season. There was a start in the middle of the year at St. Louis that gives me enough confidence that I'm still getting a good amount of upside with my first pitcher off the board here. And and frankly, I think I have to take him because I can't risk another pitcher being taken. And that's what's tough about having the number two pick and having to wait a couple of picks when it comes back around to me. But I'll take Bradish here.
0: Brandon, was he the next starter on your board? He was.
1: I think there was a little bit of a gap between Kyle Bradish and DL Hall for me personally, just because I think the upside of Hall is higher than it is for Bradish. But I had these two pretty close on my board.
0: Yeah, I did too. I think that Bradish. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Remember when he was a prospect? He was a top ten prospect in the Orioles system. Right. So I think that Bradish absolutely makes a lot of sense, given where he is at this point in his career and where he could be in two years. All right. I have back-to-back picks here as well. That you do. And, guys, I already have a pretty loaded infield. I've got Connor Norby at first. I've got Jordan Westberg at second base right now. I've got Jackson Holiday at shortstop. I don't have any outfielders, but I do have Grayson Rodriguez in my rotation. I'm going to double down on the infield here. And I'm going to take... On the J- infield? On the infield. Remember, we also have a DH spot if we need it. I'm going to double down on the infield, and I'm going to take Joey Ortiz, who's the next mm. player on Whoa. my board. I think Joey Ortiz is somebody who could be a fast riser up prospect rankings like the other guys. I mean, I think Joey Ortiz is somebody that Matt Blood, Orioles director of player development, said they've always been higher on internally than what people say on the outside. I know he's just the Orioles number 17 prospect, according to MLB pipeline, but look at the season that he had in 2022. He hit 284 with 19 homers, an 826 OPS in 137 games. He can play all three defensive positions: shortstop, second base, third base, very well. Right now, I've got Kobe Mayo at first. I think I'm good. Probably. Would you mind, Brendan, switching Joey Ortiz? No, you're thinking Yeah, no. switch him somewhere. I, I I don't think it really matters. I have three of the most versatile infielders.
1: Yeah, in the Orioles. I mean, system. it's just malicious. But if you'd like to continue,
0: go ahead. Where would you like to switch Joey Ortiz? Please, I, I can. Please go ahead. No, please, please. I'm going to put Joey Ortiz at second base, and I'm going to put Jordan Westberg at third base. What do you guys think of that? That's fine. I mean, they're both here. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So I'll I'll do that. I'm absolutely loaded in my infield. I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, And I have another pick as well. And now I'm finally going to address the outfield. And if you're noticing a, a trend, I have a lot of young guys on my team. I don't think any of my guys has reached the big leagues yet. None of them, right? A lot of them are close, but for right now, none of my players have reached the big leagues. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to settle them down by taking a steady big league bat in Anthony Santander.
1: Right field or DH?
0: We're going to put him at right field for right now. Santander hit 33 homers last year, and he doesn't have the. You know, long-term upside is maybe Kyle Stowers, who's already off the board, because Stowers has, I think, the ability to play plus defense in the outfield. Well, we're talking about a switch hitter who had 2.1 baseball reference war last year. Mike Elias sounded awfully committed to having Santander, Santander on this team the next two years. 773 OPS last year. Can play right, can play left if he really has to, can DH. So now I've got a big bopper in my lineup in Anthony Santander. You do. I think Joey Ortiz was maybe a bit of a reach, but you have now
1: successfully boxed me out of getting a shortstop. If
0: that's how you want to play, that's how you want to play. Tim, you're on the board. I wasn't thinking about boxing. There are plenty of shortstops. The Orioles are incredibly deep in their system and shortstop. They are. Their current big league shortstop is still out there right now. Tim, what are we talking about boxing him out?
2: I I had Joey Ortiz further down my board. I, I will agree with okay. Brennan on that. I think like he had a very good season hitting in the past season, but I still think his ceiling is just maybe not quite as high as some of the other prospects that we've mentioned so Understand. far. I so, agree. All right, Tim, yeah. go ahead. All right. This is tough. Paul took my pick in Anthony Santander, who I already have plenty in the outfield though. So that's fine. And I already have some veteran guys. I'm going to go with a guy who I didn't know where he was going to be drafted. He was very much a wild card going in. And I'm curious to see your guys' reaction to this, but I'm going to take Felix Bautista right here as my closer. I think he's kind of like taking Travis Kelsey in fantasy at the tight end position because to me, there's a pretty big drop off in the bullpen after him. I understand he's going to be pretty old, but I think bullpen in particular Age is maybe less of a factor. I know pitching, you still hope that his stuff is as good as it is two years from now when he'll be about 30 years old in the middle of the 2025 season. But I think this is a guy that can make an all-star team next year, maybe the year after that when we're talking about the 2025 season. I just believe in the stuff so much. And I think he's 27 now, but he hasn't pitched a ton to this point in the major league level. So there's still room for him to grow. And there's just such a big gap between him and the rest of the bullpen. I need some pitching help. My starting rotation doesn't look great, so at least we will have Felix Bautista to come in with the Omar whistle late and shut the door.
0: I, I agree, I think there's such a sizable delta between Felix Bautista and the other relievers. It's always interesting in these drafts. In the all Camden Yards draft, it was seeing where Zach Britton went off the board. I think it was Tippi Martinez was the first reliever off the board in the all Earl Weaver draft where how much you value that top reliever that closer it differs depending on who's the gm and in this case who the three drafters are but i think felix bautista given the level of the quality of player it just definitely deserves to go this high
1: yeah i agree i think i was i honestly had no idea where felix bautista would go in this draft i had him a little bit lower on my big board, but that wasn't a result of the quality of player. That was just a result of, I don't know how valuable these relievers right. are going to be in this draft, but I think it's a good player
0: at a good pick. All right. Brendan, you are going to close out round... What what round is this? One, two, three, four, six. five, six, round six. six. Yes. I
1: have one pick here in the back-to-back that I'm pretty confident about. The second pick in the back-to-back, I am not so sure. The first pick is... A kind of similar to Tim, a player that I really wasn't sure where he would go in this draft because there are a lot of things up in the air. But my pick here is going to be Heston Kurstad. I think by the time that 2025 rolls along, we will get some more clarity on Kurstad's where he is in his development at that point. But I think by 2025, we should see Heston Kurstad turn into the type of player that the Orioles. Thought they were selecting with the number two overall pick. Obviously, some unfortunate circumstances have complicated that. But I think in a few years' time, Heston Kerstad, he should be a quick riser throughout the minor leagues over the next season or two. I think by the time 2025 rolls along, Heston Kerstad could be an impact bat at the major league level.
0: The arrow is pointing up on Heston Kerstad. Remember, he hit 357 with five homers in 22 Arizona Fall League games. Opened a lot of eyes as scouts there as well. He is somebody who, now that he has his sea legs back under him, so to speak, now that he's playing regularly, I think he could really get a lot closer to that ceiling than I might have thought a year or two ago. So I think that he has the ability, especially next to Colton Kowser, that's a heck of a center field, right field punch in Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad that you have on your team, Brandon.
1: And I think the outfield's about to get better, Paul. Oh, geez. There isn't really an infielder that I love on the board right now. I think if Joey Ortiz had fallen to me, I would have taken Joey Ortiz at this turn. There's maybe a starting pitcher or two that I like at this spot, but I don't really have a need at starting pitcher with John Means and DL Hall. So I think here I just kind of have to go with the best player that I have remaining on my board, and that player is Austin Hayes. He will only be entering his age 29 season at that point. And I know there are some question marks with Austin Hayes. Will he be able to keep the starting job with Colton Kowser getting promoted? What should that playing time split look like with Kyle Stowers? But let's not forget, Austin Hayes is still a very good player. He still put up a 2.3 baseball reference war last year. He is somebody that we were talking about as a potential all-star halfway through the season. I know there are some question marks over the next few years with Hayes, but by the time 2025 rolls along, Austin Hayes will only be entering his age 29 season, and I think he is still going to be a productive big league player. There are a lot of prospects with a lot of question marks, so I'm going to take the guy that we know about, and we know that Austin Hayes is a good big league player to fill out my outfield.
0: I think Hayes, Couser, Kerstad is a heck of a one two three around yes. the outfield as well. I honestly don't know what the future holds for Austin Hayes on this team in real life. Yeah. I think that it's going to be interesting to see because I think who you have in center field and left field right now, in Austin Hayes and Colton Kowser could be battling for the same spot on the Baltimore Orioles in 2023 and beyond. Um, I think he's a solid player. I just don't know if he has the ceiling. I thought that, uh, you know, it's a very, we're seeing the differences in strategy. I think... I'm taking the massive swings on the prospects. You're taking safer plays on the current big leaguers. And I think that's entirely, it's just a different strategy. It's entirely fair.
1: Truthfully, there just wasn't anybody on my board that I thought had huge upside. And the guys that I do think have big upside around this spot, I don't even know what, level they might be at in 2025 there are some players with big upside that just might not be in the majors at this point
0: all right how many rounds have we completed now One, two, three, four, five, six. Six rounds have been completed and austin hayes was the first selection of round seven so then we're gonna go seven eight to conclude this podcast yes. right and then we're and the go...
1: first leg
0: of my back-to-back picks will be the end of this podcast gotcha okay uh tim what do you think of the pick what do you think of the outfield and uh who's your pick
2: Yeah, I think it's a good pick, Brendan. I agree. I feel like now we drop into a little bit of a different tier. I think Austin Hayes, honestly, is underrated because when you just look at his numbers and what he did last year in spurts, I guess there's some durability question marks there, but people forget that you know he was kind of on an all-star trajectory at one point last season, really went on a heater for a stretch, so there's still some ceiling there. He still does a lot of good things for you. I'm torn. I'm between a couple different options here, and I think I'm going to take a guy who I feel like you guys actually like a little bit more than me, but he's fallen to me at this point, and I feel like I'm just going to grab him, and that is another kind of current Orioles player who's future might be a little bit of a question mark, but I'm going to go with Jorge Mateo here, who is 27 years old currently, remember was a former top prospect in the Yankee system, worked his way up, had a very productive season for the Orioles last year in terms of baseball reference war, was right near the top of the team. I know the average of 222, the OPS of 646 is not going to jump off the page, but you're still getting a flexible defender. And with the shift changes and everything, I think he becomes even more valuable in terms of his defense in the middle infield. So I'm going to go with Mateo. I don't love the pick, but I feel like, once again, Brennan has kind of taken a couple people that I was going to take right in front, or Paul did that a couple times, and I'm sort of stuck with Mateo in a sense. But... Again, I, I still think at 29-30, he's a guy that you can rely on. And also, Paul, I had him ahead of Joey Ortiz in my big board just because I think Joey Ortiz kind of profiles like a Jorge Mateo player. It's just Jorge Mateo's name isn't quite as appealing because he's not a prospect anymore compared to Ortiz still being a prospect.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about Mateo, and obviously I still need a shortstop or a third baseman or, or some kind of infielder. My only hesitation with Mateo there, Tim, is how a player entering his age 30 season will perform when his biggest asset is his athleticism and his speed. Because Jorge Mateo's athleticism and quickness is what makes him, part of what makes him such a good defender at shortstop, and it's part of what makes him such a threat on the base pass, obviously. He led the American League in stolen bases. Is he going to be able to keep that up
0: during his age 30 season in 2025 is the question. Well, Tim's banking on Jorge Mateo keeping his athleticism and his base stealing abilities and Cedric Mullins doing the right. same. They're both going to be in their age 30 seasons in 2025, I believe. So the top two, you have the top two base stealers from the 2022 season in the American league. You will also have two guys who are going to be three years older, two years older, who may need to extend their window a little bit longer, uh, in order for your team to be a little bit, uh, to be more successful but I think you're loading up on speed I've currently moved uh you previously had Gunnar Henderson at shortstop I've moved him to third base and I have Jorge yep. Mateo as your shortstop does that make sense to him
2: yeah that's that's what I'd like uh okay. and I think that's what we'll see a lot this year too so. okay
0: next up on my team I stole some holes in the outfield don't have any relievers I got some holes uh in the rotation as well I'm gonna address the outfield And what's been the theme of my draft, Brendan? High upside swings, Paul. High upside swings. (laughs) You know who has a high upside swing that recently was tinkered with? Tinkered with? That would be Dylan Beavers. That would be Dylan Beavers. Yep. Is going to be my next pick. I'm going to stick him in center field because I don't have a center fielder. Anthony Santander is currently my right fielder. Dylan Beavers was a high draft pick in 2022. He was the number 33 pick in that draft. And then he proceeded to hit 322 with one homer that was in a postseason game, so it doesn't count on baseball reference, with a nearly 900 OPS in 23 big league games. So he's a college bat. He's going to be in his age 23 season, finished in high single A Aberdeen. I think he's on, the tra- on a good trajectory to be a big leaguer. And I'm excited to see personally what happens with that swing and really how good he can be. Yeah, I like Beavers, and he was the other guy that I was
1: considering versus Austin Hayes. That was the toss-up for me. My only hesitation with Dylan Beavers is that I could see him realistically being on a Colton Cowser type of trajectory, and I don't think he is as good of a player as Colton Cowser. Colton Cowser was a top-five pick. Dylan Beavers was not picked in the first round. Dylan Beavers will be entering eh, his 33, age... So he was a competitive balance. Eh, that's true. Dylan Beavers will be entering his age 23 season at this point, which is where Colton Kowser is right now. Colton Kowser has not gotten a ton of time at AAA Norfolk. We're not sure how much time he is going to spend there this season. So if you are assuming that Dylan Beavers 2025 will look like Colton Kowser's 2023, which is kind of what I was looking like, you might only get a half a season to Dylan Beavers in 2025. He's going to be 23. That's what Colton Kowser is right now. He's entering his age 23 season. So Colton Kowser could still spend a few weeks here at AAA Norfolk. Yeah, Maybe we don't see him in the big leagues until a month or two down the line. So maybe with Dylan Beavers, you're sacrificing a month or two of the season where he's maybe still in AAA Norfolk. That's or maybe okay. he has a higher trajectory, who knows. But I think it is a risky Look, pick to get somebody who might not even be in the bigs to start
0: that season. We'll have two years for me to sit and twiddle my thumbs and yeah. hope that he gets called up a little bit earlier than he did. Uh, I but, don't think it's a bad pick. I just think it's risky also, given the, the fact man- that he might not be in the big leagues. I'll tell at you that what, point. I'm the manager of this team. He's starting opening day. He's going to have <laughs> to because I don't have enough players to start behind him. That's so, true. There is no bench gonna, here. Yeah, there's no bench. He's getting the call. Uh, absolutely. All right. Dylan Beavers is my pick there. The Orioles number eight prospect in their system. Uh, and I could, Brendan, if I really wanted to, you're without a first baseman. And I could decide to, to put it crudely to step on your neck here. You could. But I won't because I'm a nice guy. Uh, I don't know about a nice guy. No, a, I certainly wouldn't I'm say that. I'm a decent human being, I think. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Let's lower the bar even more. This is going to be my last pick, right? This is start, This starts- The last pick of this podcast, this it will be. This starts round eight. Um, and I'm going to go back to the rotation because you have a great one-two punch, Brendan, and John Means and D.L. Hall. Tim already took Kyle Braddish. I'm going to support- supplement my Grayson Rodriguez-led rotation right now. Um, and I got to go with Dean Kramer. He, last year, in his age 26 season, had a three-two-three 2 3 ERA with a 1.253 whip. There are some concerns, I think, that those stats may not be as good as advertised, and he may regress slightly, but I still think he has the ability to be a very good starting pitcher. I think in 2025 on the realistic Orioles, the real <laughs> Orioles, he could be their number four, number five starter on that team. And I think he's the surest thing right now left in the starting pitching market.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he was the best pitcher left available. He was the highest guy remaining on my big board. He was in consideration when I took Austin Hayes, but I just didn't really need a number three pitcher at that point. Yeah. So I think Dean Kramer is the way to go. Even if the advanced analytics don't really love him, He's still putting up good numbers. And
0: until we see otherwise, yeah, he's he's only going to be in his age 29 season. Right. And I just trust him a little bit more than some of the other pitching prospects that are going to have to be taken in this draft. Yeah. All right. Tim, who's your final pick of the first part of the all future Orioles draft?
2: Well, once again, Paul, you took the guy that I was going to take, Absolutely. Dean Kramer. That's the and tough part about
0: having the number two pick. Yeah. It is. Yeah. We see guys. I know I keep saying it,
2: but yeah, it's, It's funny how it's worked out. I was also kind of torn on taking him in the first place, though, because I didn't see a huge gap between the guy that I'm now going to take, which is Tyler Wells and Dean Kramer. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted one of you guys to sort of start the pitching uh, draft picks again because I just didn't want to burn a pick and then it come back around and I could have gotten him and the the pitching would have been fine anyway. So I'm going to take Tyler Wells. He's a little bit older, but... Unlike Dean Kramer, I think the advanced numbers say that he's due for a positive regression from last year and Kramer is due for kind of a negative regression. The stuff is a little bit better. He's going to be 31 in 2025, like 30, 31 years old. That's a little old, but I still think he's got enough of a ceiling and his stuff is good enough. I guess there's some questions about his durability and when you make him his pitch count a little bit longer over the course of a season, how healthy will he remain? But I think he's the next best pitcher available. And I kind of feel like I need to take pitching again.
0: Yeah. If, if Kramer was the next guy on my board, Wells was like one, a, he was right behind him. Um, because I think that Wells, like you said there, it's interesting because they're two very different pitchers. And I think Wells has the higher ceiling but Kramer right now may have the, the higher floor. And I think 2023 is going to be a real, really interesting year to see where both those guys end up and if they both finish the season in the rotation. Yeah, I agree.
1: I think it's the right pick. I think Wells was right there for me behind Dean Kramer. Brendan, close us out. Yeah, this will be the last pick of the podcast. I am not sure on the second pick that I'm going to make, but I know who I have to pick here. It's a reach, but I cannot get boxed out of this position, and I'm afraid that if I do not draft him here, I will not get him at all because he could still slot in to left field for Paul, to left field for Tim. My selection is going to be John Rhodes, and I'm going to put him at first base because John Rhodes, it's not cheating. He has played first base in the minors very, very briefly, and I need to put him here because there is really not another first baseman that I would feel confident putting in my lineup really anywhere here. So John Rhodes is my pick. I also don't think it's a terrible reach at this point. I go a little bit down my big board, but John Rhodes, still the 20th ranked prospect in the Orioles system, had a 737 OPS between two levels last year. Struggled a little bit in A buoy, but I think we will see John Rhodes... Once he gets to his age 24 season here in 2025, I think we'll see a lot of development. He is still an exciting young prospect. So while I am reaching a
0: little bit to fill a position, I had to do it. So to take you behind the podcast curtain here, we were searching, the three of us, for guys that could possibly play first base in the Orioles system. And I was Googling John Rhodes. We only had Kobe Mayo. We had Ryan Maucastle. Those two were really the only guys. Kobe Mayo, by the way, has only played two minor league games at first base. And I was like, I wonder if John Rhodes has ever played first base. Yeah. And I looked him up on Baseball Reference. Four minor league games. And he played a little bit of first base at Kentucky. He did. It's, it's not entirely cheating here. No, but we are. There was celebration in the apartment <laughs> yeah. when we found out that uh, John Rhodes could be considered as a first baseman. You have to put him at first base here. Also, a, a fun guy. He's the one, remember, that roomed with Colton Couser yeah. and revealed that Colton Couser had a Millennium Falcon Lego set that he was working
1: on. Yeah. And I think if I don't select John Rhodes here at my turn, he's gone by the time he, I come back around. Yeah. So I have to take him.
0: All right. We have concluded the first 8 rounds of this draft. Brent, yes. would you like to read your roster thus far?
1: Yeah, I have the number 1 overall pick in this draft. Add the Rutchman catching. John Rhodes playing first base with Connor Norby at second. In the outfield, pretty stacked outfield I might add. Austin Hayes, Colton Cowser and Heston Kursad, And my one two punch in my starting rotation, the two lefties, John Means and DL Hall. Tim
2: so I took Gunnar Henderson with the second overall pick. He's currently my third baseman. On the other corner infield spot, I've got Ryan Mountcastle. He was my second pick. Cedric Mullins and Kyle Stowers are my outfielders. Cedric in center, Kyle Stowers in right field. Jorge Mateo is my current shortstop. And then in terms of pitchers, I've got Kyle Bradish and Tyler Wells at the start of my rotation, and Felix Bautista is my closer.
0: And I have Kobe Mayo at first. I've got Joey Ortiz at second. I've got Jordan Westberg at third, Jackson Holiday at shortstop. I have Dylan Beavers in center, Anthony Santander in right field, and I have Grayson Rodriguez and Dean Kramer in my rotation. Rounds 9 through 15 will happen next week. We've got some time to look over our boards and reassess our team needs. How do you guys feel like the, the first eight rounds went for your team? Honestly, I, I'm looking at the board. I
1: think these teams are pretty even. I think there's different philosophies. Yeah. I think, you know, Tim with Cedric Mullins and Jorge Mateo, not really concerned about that around age 30 mark. I've got a little bit of a mix of the two. I've got the young upside with guys like Colton Cowser and Connor Norby, but still some solid big leaguers right now with Austin Hayes and John Means. And you're really going all upside. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Santander, really the one big leaguer that you have at this point, you do have Dean Kramer as well, but Anthony Santander, at least in your lineup is the only sure thing. There are a lot of high upside guys with a lot
0: of potential. Tim.
2: Yeah, I, I think I went with a safer team. That's just kind of how it worked out. I really only have, I mean, I guess you kind of consider gunner a prospect, but I don't necessarily have anyone on my roster who has not played an MLB game yet. So my team is definitely viewing it from a little bit of a different lens than you guys, but I think that's why it's fascinating to do this exercise because there's many different ways you can look at it.
0: Absolutely. Well, I can't wait for (laughs) rounds nine through 15 and we hope you join us then as well next week. Thanks so much to Amy Jennings for producing this podcast at Brendan Morty is his Twitter handle. I am at Paul Mancano, Tim, you are at Tim underscore Leonard four. correct. Yep. You still remembered it. Not too many Orioles tweets coming from that account these days, more Syracuse basketball, but That's okay. He's a good follow nonetheless. He'll take it.
2: All right. I appreciate that. I'm still rocking the Orioles gear. Absolutely. Don't forget it.
0: Uh, So we will be back with the conclusion of the all future Orioles draft. And then we'll make our pitch to you guys as to who to vote for. Of course the mass and all access podcast you can watch every week every wednesday at 11 a.m on facebook and on youtube you can listen to it after the fact on all your favorite podcast platforms the mass and all access podcast is brought to you by toyota for legendary safety and reliability choose toyota and let's go places and we'll see you next time